Welcome to the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast, a weekly look into the world of Royal Caribbean cruising. I'm your host, Matt Hotchberg, and this is episode number two. This week, let's take a look at one of the biggest areas of change across Royal Caribbean's fleet of ships, the specialty restaurants. Now, in my opinion, the dining aspect for the Royal Caribbean passenger has changed probably the most over the last 10 years or so, and it continues to become more and more of a focal point when going on a cruise. So let's look at the role the specialty restaurants offer guests now, the various options to choose from, and where dining aboard Royal Caribbean is going in the future. Of course, we're going to have to talk about some of our favorite restaurants to eat as well. And before this episode is over, I'm going to share with you some of the amazing feedback that I've received from all of you just from episode one. So here we go. As I said earlier, specialty restaurants and dining on Royal Caribbean's fleet has really changed a lot over the last 10 years or so. And I really feel like it's something that's definitely gone from just an aspect of cruising to becoming a real major part of your cruise experience. And, you know, for anyone who's been on a Royal Caribbean cruise more than, say, like I said, 10, 15, 20 years ago, you know, really there was only one aspect of dining, and that was the main dining room. You went to, you know, got on board, and you would eat your meals either in the main dining room or later on uh, perhaps in, in, in the buffet, which we now, of course, know as the Windjammer. That's what it was. But, of course, Royal Caribbean's always looking to innovate, and I'm not sure at the time they really felt this way, but, you know, they started to add more stuff. Let's, let's try something new, and that was the idea of adding a specialty restaurant. And this is a restaurant that costs extra in addition to their fee. Because don't forget, the main dining room and, and the Windjammer and any other you know free food, all the food on board was basically free. It was complimentary. So adding a specialty restaurant was kind of a foreign concept because you're going to start adding now uh, a restaurant that costs money. And food on a road, on cruising it was, is integral as free. It's just, you know, everyone assumed that all the food is free. So this was an interesting option. And, you know, it was only at the time... Not a lot of money, really. The idea was, you know, a couple dollars here, and it was mostly for um, the gratuity, really. It's just for the, for the extra service. So, you know, early on, you really had two restaurants that were the mainstay of especially restaurants across Royal Caribbean ship, and they were uh, Chops and uh, Portofino, and they're still around. They're still probably the most common restaurants you're going to find of the specialty variety across Royal Caribbean ships, and more than likely, if you've been on a Royal Caribbean cruise or two, you've probably eaten one of those two. And there's uh, but now that's gone from you know one or two on each ship to take Oasis of the Seas, which currently has 25 dining options aboard. So quite a bit. So really, what's changed? Well, you know, I really point to Johnny Rockets, and uh, Johnny Rockets was uh, I think a, a really the turning point for specialty restaurants on Royal Caribbean. You see, before that again, we had Chops and Portofino, which were great. Uh, you know, they cost, you know, uh, at the time they were probably, you know, $10, $15 a piece. And again, nominal charge. They were popular and they did a great job. But Johnny Rockets brought this idea of what if we did something more than just adding another restaurant? What if we added a restaurant that's from land? Something that people already know about, something that people identify with, some people that are excited about. And so in 1999, Voyager of the Seas brought uh, Johnny Rockets on board as kind of, you know, a major aspect of the ship, just in the same way they might have advertised, you know, a water slide or the ice skating rink that was on board, you know, and, and other amenities. This was a major thing. And the reaction was, was spectacular. People loved it. And it continues to be a very popular dining option across, uh, you know, all Royal Caribbean ships. And Johnny Rockets has been since, you know, cloned out to a number of ships, every new ship that Royal Caribbean builds. They've got a Johnny Rockets on there. So that was really the first step, and I really feel like that was the point where people in Royal Caribbean's, you know, brass, so to speak, decided, you know, maybe there's something to this. And, you know, they continued to innovate, but really, even when you got to the Freedom class of ships, which was the next class of ships after Voyager class, you know, you still had, you know, Chops and Portofino, and you had Johnny Rockets. But, you know, it was doing the job, but I think really when, at that point, 
there was definitely demand there. And the market was changing. People wanted more. And Oasis of the Seas was really the game changer, I feel. I really feel like that was what changed it all. And with Oasis of the Seas, as I mentioned earlier, they added 25 dining options. So you had, you, know, you still have chops, but you have, you know, uh, 150 Central Park, which is a really fine dining uh, experience. Giovanni's Table, which is a uh, an Italian place, just like Portofino, but a different take on it, more family style. Um, you know, they added a lot of different restaurants, and this really, it, it, it really changed the nature of dining on a cruise ship because now it was more of, you know, basically you're not, quote-unquote, stuck in the main dining room. You have a lot of different options. Now, this is where a lot of people, you know, might have a different opinion on this, and this is, you know, you're getting better quality food, generally speaking, for a price. You are paying extra for it. Uh, you know, the prices for these, especially restaurants, have gone up considerably in the last few years. Uh, you know, when they first were introduced, Chops and Portofino, you know, were 10 or $15 per person. Now you're seeing, you know, prices of 20 25 30 uh, to dine there. So you can really see that it's become not just another option for guests to make them happy, but it's also become a huge revenue source for Royal Caribbean. And because onboard spending is critical to the company making money, well, the specialty restaurants are a great way to generate that kind of money. So, you know, you're paying more for it, but you know what you could say? Hey, it's a special occasion. You want to go out on a certain night. Makes sense, right? Well, this came at, perhaps a lot of people are, are saying, at the price of the main dining room. And I don't necessarily buy into that. I don't think necessarily that adding a new specialty restaurant, like, you know, having a Chops on board or, or a Giovanni's or an Izumi is, you know, uh, taking resources away from the main dining room. Perhaps the main dining room hasn't been innovating as much as it could have been for the last few years. Uh, but, of course, we did see a new uh, main dining room menu rolled out across the fleet uh, earlier this year, if I'm not mistaken, or, or last year in the last uh, nine months or so. And that's really changed, uh, again, what the main dining room offers. So the specialty restaurants basically come down to this, if you're if you're new to how they work. There's usually one of a couple of ways that you pay for it. One is per person, a la carte, and uh, the, the per person, rather, is going to cost you Every person pays a certain cover charge, and then all the food is included in the price. And the food, of course, excludes uh, alcohol. Of course, that's uh, just like anywhere. And you know, you dine, uh, be it the main dining room or the windjammer. I mean, you know, alcohol is always going to cost you extra. But for the food aspect, you pay a cover charge, and that, you know, then you can eat whatever you'd like. Uh, generally speaking, uh, Johnny Rockets is like this. Uh, Chops is like this. Portofino is like this. Um, these are restaurants that allow you to, you know, you want to order five steaks, you can order five steaks. Um, and you know, they work, there's a few exceptions here and there, like say at Johnny Rockets, you pay, there's a cover charge, but milkshakes cost you extra in addition to the cover charge. So there's that as well. Um, you also then have restaurants that have a, a a la carte price as well. And this is the best example. This is Zumi, which is the sushi restaurant aboard a couple of different ships, most notably Oasis of the Seas and Allure of the Seas. And Azumi offers, you know, just like anything else, you, you come and sit there, but everything is like a price, like a menu. Now, generally speaking, at least with Azumi, the prices aren't, they're about what you pay on land, give or take for sushi. Um, some of the items, you know, have different options that come with them. It's, but it's, you know, a per item price. So the more you eat, the more you pay. And we also need to mention that Azumi, in addition to the a la carte price, has just a regular cover charge. But this is, you know, three dollars for lunch, five dollars for dinner. So really, not much to sit down there compared to the, you know, fifteen or twenty dollars per person you might see at um, Chops. Those are the basic types of, uh, especially restaurant pricing that you're going to find. So you're either paying really uh, a nominal cover charge to cover everything, or you're paying a small cover charge and then uh, buy paying for only what you eat. 
Now, the next thing that we have to understand about specialty restaurants is uh, how you get reservations. Now, Royal Caribbean encourages you to book reservations in advance, and it is a smart idea, especially if you want to eat on a particular day at a specific time. You can order them online as soon as the booking window is open for you to do so via the Royal Caribbean website. You can also book the specialty restaurants on board your ship. And the great news is, uh, usually, at least at this point in the game, uh, there's still plenty of spots open even when you get on your ship. Especially restaurant dining, while popular, is not as popular, say, as you know, eating the main dining room. I and mean, most people, uh, I think, in fact, most people don't actually eat at the, main, at the specialty restaurants. But there are a lot of people that do eat the, at the specialty restaurants. It's just, you know, you might not get the time you want. The good news also is, is that you don't actually have to go to the restaurant that you want to eat at to make a reservation. Your first inclination might be to go to guest services, but you know the line there can be kind of long, especially on the first couple of days of your cruise. So what you really can do as a good little tip here is go to any of the specialty restaurants, even if you're not interested in eating there. Maybe you're really close to Chavez, but you want to eat at Portofino, which is kind of a bad example because usually they're close to each other, but bear with me here. Uh, you know, you can go to Chops and just talk to the maitre d' and say, I'd like to make a reservation for uh, a different restaurant here, and they'll be able to they'll be happy to help you. Their systems usually uh, intertwine with each other, so it can save you uh, some some time in line and walking around the ship and trying to get reservations. You know the difference between booking online and booking in, in per, on the ship. One other advantage of booking online is you get to pay for it up front, which I guess is a, is a, an advantage in the sense that you get to prepay your meal. And for a lot of people, hey, look, if you can save uh, you know a hundred dollars or so and pay it in advance and break up the overall cost of your cruise. For some people, that's worth it. Otherwise, you can wait to get on board and take your chances. In my experience, there's been plenty of uh, opportunity to book what you need uh, on board the ship. I would recommend probably booking it sooner on your cruise than later. But, you know, you can always, you know, uh, see what happens. And, of course, there's nothing wrong with just showing up. Reservations are preferred and recommended by Royal Caribbean. But the truth is you can show up at any time. Now, you might not get a table or you might have to wait a little bit. But generally speaking, I think that would still work out for you as well. So between those options, probably something that's going to work for you. So let's go over the restaurants. There's a lot of specialty restaurants on Royal Caribbean ships. And again, they vary per ship. You'll have to look at which restaurants are uh, on which ships. But a couple of restaurants that are throughout the fleet that are pretty easy to find. The first, as I mentioned earlier, uh, Chops Grill. It's a steakhouse. It's pretty standard issue steakhouse type of decor. You go in there. There's a lot of different meats to choose from. There's appetizers as well. This is, of course, a cover charge, so you can order as much as you like there. There's also uh, some sides that go with it. But really, you're, you're, you're dining here for the main course, which is the steaks, although they do offer as well grilled seafood and chicken, if that's your preference. Now, personally, I mean, I think if you're going to a steakhouse, you got to order steak, right? And it's really hard to go wrong with the different steaks that they have there. The lays are wonderful. The, uh, everything, I, I, it's really hard to have a bad meal at, at Chop's. And the good news is, you know, it's usually, it's one of the more consistent restaurants that is out there. And honestly, I've eaten at Chops Grill on many different ships, and I've had great times each time there. Now, currently, as we're recording this podcast, Chops Grill goes for $30 per person. Next up is Portofino. And Portofino, again, is one of the staples of a Royal Caribbean cruise. It's an Italian uh, restaurant. Cover charge, again, $20 per person. And it offers, you know, you're pretty much traditional Italian food, a little bit of a twist here and there on some of the favorites, you know, but you're basically going to find pastas and, and some seafood and it's, you know, again, the menu changes here and there, but it's generally, you know, again, a great opportunity to have uh, some Italian food on, on the ship. 
Now, it's kind of a, it's not really sister restaurant, probably it's cousin, is Giovanni's Table, which is offered currently on uh, Oasis-class ships and uh, Radiance of the Seas, if I'm not mistaken. And, again, this offers family-style dining. So it does offer, again, a, a cover charge, where $15 for lunch, $20 per person. And the difference here is that what I really like about Giovanni's, again, is family-style. So you get to, you know, let's, let's try this, let's try this, let's try this, and you get to try it all at the table. So it's really great for groups. I went there with just my wife, and, you know, I was thinking afterwards, man, if we had brought, you know, a couple other people there, it would have been a great experience. It's great for just, you know, having a couple spoonfuls of something and then moving on to the next thing. But it's a great choice if you're into Italian. And, again, both Giovanni's Table and Portofino, not terribly adventurous in terms of their Italian food here, so pretty solid options here. You've also got Izumi, which is a sushi restaurant on a couple of the ships, uh, Royal Oasis-class <laughs> ships. Uh, also, it's on some of the... They've rolled it out to some of the other Radiance class as well. The the thing I love... Look, I, I'll be first to admit, and this is... I know there's only episode two of the podcast, but you got to understand, I love sushi. I mean, I don't just like it. I mean, I just live for it. I could eat it all day. If they said the main dining room switched over to sushi every day, I would be set. I would be the first person booking cruises, you know, every day because I, I can't... There's no such thing as too much sushi for me. So... Needless to say, I really like Izumi. What's great about it also is that it's a la carte, but, you know, the prices, I think, are pretty fair. And you do get a lot of sushi for uh, what you order. My only complaint about it is the menu isn't as wide as you might like, but there are some great options there. And there's also some great non-sushi options. They have a, a great little hot rock where you'll order, say, chicken, and they'll bring you out a plate that has a rock that is heated up to I don't know what temperature but you you cook the food on it yourself it's really really cool uh, and as I'm looking at it now it says ishiyaki is the type of hot rock in Japanese obviously it's really really cool it's a fun experience it's a great little restaurant and uh, I would I, I love sushi so I'd highly recommend it so for other sushi lovers I extend my thumbs up <laughs> to uh, to that restaurant We've got some other restaurants as well. Uh, we mentioned, uh, how about uh, Solarium Bistro, which is an American-style restaurant. And that's, of course, on uh, the Oasis-class ships. And it's kind of, um, how would I describe it? Well, first of all, it's a cover charge, so just a nominal $20 per person. And it's basically healthy, living American food. It's like, I don't want to call it New Age, because I'm not sure that conjures up the right image. But it's, you know, it, it, it's healthier options, but... More or less American food, if that makes any sense. I hope it does. Sampa's Grill, which is a Brazilian steakhouse, and that is on Allure. This is, I haven't had a chance to check that out yet, but uh, if you love Brazilian steakhouse, basically a Brazilian steakhouse, the way it works, there's a cover charge, $30 per person, and they'll just keep bringing you meat on a skewer to cut onto your onto your plate until you tell them, please, please, no more. Uh, and that's on uh, Samba Grill is on Allure of the Seas and uh, Radiance of the Seas. It's not a bad option. As well, especially if you've ever been, if you've never been or ever been, it's still a great, it's, it's fun. It's a great family thing. Kids will love it. It's, it's really, um, you can't go wrong with that. Rita's Cantina is Mexican and there's Rita's Cantina on Allure of the Seas and then, uh, also, uh, Radiance of the Seas and Oasis of the Seas has the Seafood Shack and they're both basically priced the same. They're, they're nominal coverages, like $3 for lunch and then you pay a cart for each item. So Rita's Cantina, as you might imagine, is Mexican, and you can get, you know, your basic Americanized Mexican food there. Seafood Shack offers uh, more of a, uh, again, American seafood, you know, fried this, fried that, you know, clams, mussels, uh, shrimp, that kind of thing. You know, it's, it's, it's fun, and if you like you know, seafood, totally a great thing. 
Now, the other restaurant I want to mention is 150 Central Park, and this is a really high-class, uh, award-winning type restaurant. And this is something that you know makes formal night look like a, a stay at the Wind Jam. I'm not taking anything away from it, but it's really a really great thing that they've done. There's a cover charge for this as well, but this is a you know five-course meal in really interesting and different items. This is not stuff you're going to find at the Wind Jammer. I think it's going to be interesting food to try. Uh, you know, it, it, it's, it, it's an experience in itself, and it's, it's a five-course meal, so it's going to take a little while. But I really feel like it's one of those things that you just have to give a, a you know, it's an experience. And you give it a try, and I, and I know I've said try about eight times now, but that that's why I think it really is worth it in terms of something, you know, a little different. Not just like, you know, uh, upgraded food from what you might have elsewhere on the ship. This is really the, uh, you know, high-class food and something to uh, indulge in, perhaps. Now, there is also... An option, it's tied into 150 Central Park, which is the chef's table. And the chef's table kind of has, uh, again, uh, it is a more personalized menu, whereas 150 Central Park is just really high-end food that's, you know, given to everybody. Chef's table is, every course is kind of paired with not only the guests that are there, but also some wine. It's, it's again, if you love to eat, if you love to have a, a good drink with your food, definitely the way to go. So the question you might be having is, like, Matt, is it worth it? Is it worth the specialty restaurant? Should I be eating there every night? Is it, you know, do I have to start budgeting for this? How do I, well, I do believe they're worth it. I don't think you need to be eating there every night per se. I'm sure Royal Caribbean would love for you to eat there every night. I don't think it's necessarily worth it. I like the main dining experience, but I like to augment that with eating at these specialty restaurants. On average, I think on a seven day cruise, we might eat at two specialty restaurants for dinner. That's not including maybe a lunch here or there, but I really feel like the value is, is certainly there. I mean, the, the fees aren't terrible, especially for restaurants like Chops, Portofino, Giovanni's Table. Uh, a lot of these, you, the worst was 150 Central Park, which was $40 a person. Chef's Table is kind of on its own. It's just much more expensive than that. But a lot of these places, you know, they're not horribly expensive. I think they're about what you pay for a nice dinner out. And the great thing is it gives you an option to try something new. And maybe it's a food that you haven't, you're not familiar with. Maybe you're just really in the mood for something really, really good. And this is what's really great about these restaurants. You have to also understand these restaurants are structured. The way that Royal Caribbean structures these restaurants is their wait staff, generally speaking, of the specialty restaurants are the best of the best. This is where they, if you're a wait staff that has not reached management yet, your goal is to bridge these specialty restaurants because this is where Royal Caribbean rewards their best servers by putting them there. And so you get great service. And again, that's not take away from the service in anywhere else on the ship. It's just the reality of where you generally find the best service. So you get great service. You get great food. And again, you want to try something new. You want to go and just indulge something you absolutely love. You love Italian food. Well, then there's, well, you know, that's perfect for you. If you're like me and you love sushi, Izumi is the place to go because you're not going to find that kind of comparison elsewhere on the ship. And it's just a fun way to kind of, you know, make a, a, a nice little night of things. Here's a little tip also for the specialty restaurants is, as you may or may not know, the specialty restaurants have usually a dress code. And the dress code is usually higher than the dress code for dinner in the main dining room on the ship. And for a lot of people, you know, you can only pack so many suits in your in your wear. And some people, hey, look, I only want to bring, you know, one or two suits. I don't really want to go crazy with this. So what we'll do is combine our formal nights with the specialty restaurants reservation. So that way, since we already have to get dressed up for the formal nights, we'll go to the specialty restaurant and it's like killing two birds with one stone, so to speak. So really, it's a great experience, and it's something that I think is worth it, especially if you're looking to try something new and see everything that the cruise lines offer. Because again, some of the best food on the ship is usually in these specialty restaurants. The last thing I want to say about specialty restaurants is if you're looking for something special to do, like perhaps it's a birthday or you want to take your wife out for somewhere special, the specialty restaurants are 
probably the best choice for that because again, they're just more intimate than eating anywhere else on the ship and they offer a little something different than you might find anywhere else. So it's a great place if you're looking for a special occasion. Look no further than here. Before we go, I wanted to thank people who sent in some great feedback about our first episode, which was very short and didn't have a whole lot to it. But it was really nice to get a lot of positive feedback from many of you. And uh, I got some great tweets, emails, and even some voicemails. We're going to play one right here. The first one is from Peter Lockhart of uh, Scotland. (laughs) So here's Peter's message. Hi, Matt. Greetings from Peter Lockhart here in Scotland. Thanks for your brand new podcast. I love it. I also think it's a great idea that it's interactive and we can contribute. Keep them coming, and I look forward to the next one. Thank you so much, Peter. And you're absolutely right. I love feedback, and I want the show to be interactive. I don't want this to just be me talking. I want you to be a part of it. And, you know, on an episode like this where we're talking about specialty restaurants, I know people have opinions on this. So, you know, feel free to tweet us, email us, and all that good stuff, and uh, we'll put it on the show just like Peter. Next email is from Lynn, who writes, Will you be doing a listener questions type of show? Was a big fan of WDW Today for a long time, though to be honest, I'm a bit burned out on Disney these days. We will be taking our first cruise in November on Oasis of the Seas. Yes, Lynn, I hope to absolutely be answering some questions. So if you've got questions not only about what we're talking about on the show, but you just have general cruise questions, email them in, and uh, there'll be a couple episodes here and there that we'll be answering questions for you. So Lynn, fire away! Next is uh, Carl. Glad to see you were starting up a new podcast. Cruising is my favorite type of vacation. I try to fit one in every year. Even when I paid for land vacations, I try to see if a cruise can fit in somehow. I visited Walt Disney World for the first time as an adult last year. We ended up on a cruise on the Disney Dream. My next trip to Walt Disney World is in August 2014, and we'll be finishing up our vacation on the Disney Fantasy. Although I'm not a huge Disney World fan, I do enjoy listening to your WWE Today podcast. I'm sure your new Royal Caribbean blog podcast will be as high quality as your Disney one is. I'm not loyal to Royal or any other cruise line. I've sailed on different ships uh, so far, including Carnival, Cunard, Disney, and Norwegian. I'll be trying Celebrity for the first time at the end of the month on a cruise to Bermuda. I would like to try Royal Caribbean in the future, so I'm looking forward to listening to your podcast to learn more about the cruise line and their ships. Perhaps you will be able to convince me to book a cruise on Royal Caribbean very soon. Well, Carl, I really hope I can convince you to do that because I think Royal Caribbean Cruising is is really where it's at. It's a great blend of you know what they deliver for how much they charge. And I think this is really going to be a theme you're going to discover throughout this podcast. Is I really feel like it's that sweet spot. It's like you know again going back to those specialty restaurants. They're great food and they're not that expensive. Really, it's not a lot of money. There's some great value in there, and it's it's a, it's a choice that you can make. You don't have to eat there, which is also something that I enjoy. So thank you very much for the email there, Carl. Lastly, uh, email from Christopher Percy, who writes, Just listen to your first podcast, and it's obvious you are very passionate about this form of communication and will cover the good, bad, and ugly. As a Diamond Plus longtime cruiser and loyal to Royal, I appreciate you doing this and look forward to your future podcasts. Semperfy. <laughs> Thanks, Christopher. And, uh, you know, I'm really excited about what this podcast can hold. And like, you know, like, like Christopher said, and I said in episode one, we're covering it all. And I'll tell you, if it's not great, I'll be the first one to admit it. So hopefully you'll be there for the ride as well. And as I mentioned, again, if you want to have your feedback in here, we want to hear from you. I'm encouraging as much input as you can. So, you know, send me your thoughts uh, as you listen to this podcast by tweeting us, posting a message on Facebook, emailing us, or posting a comment on our site. If you think I'm wrong, then just tell me. Or if you agree with me, I'd love to hear that I'm right. It's always fun to hear that as well. <laughs> so on Twitter, we're at the RCL blog. On Facebook, we're facebook.com slash Royal Caribbean blog. You can always email me, matt at royalcaribbeanblog.com, or call the Royal Caribbean blog voicemail by calling 408-6-ROYAL-6. That's uh, 408 
676-9256. And as you heard from Peter, we'll play it on the show. So until next time, I'm Matt Hotchberg, and we'll talk again soon.